Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Welcome to Oh Captain, my captain. After a year break, I think I say Oh captain, my captain in exactly the same way as I did in late 2021. Ricky Masindo, is that correct? Oh, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And I hope my impression is still there as well. Welcome to Oh Captain, My Captain. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Oh Captain, My Captain. Um, episode, either episode one of series three, or the last couple of episodes of series two, because we didn't do ten episodes of series series two. Oh, we've done... Should we just say... We've done three series. Well, two and a so half. So this is the first episode of series four, then? Yeah, series four. Yeah, we're on series four now. I handle all the admin. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that in a minute, buddy. All right? We'll get to yeah. that. Because I wanted... Because I said, when we, when we came into this podcast today, uh, this little Zoom room, I said... Let's let's have every discussion recorded for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so so let's talk about it all. And we'll start from the beginning, which is we've not done one of these for nearly a year or over a year? Uh just under a year. So I think the last one came out in early January or something. And no, it was no, I think no, I think we did December. I didn't think we did oh, any really? January. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, that does sound right, actually, because I think in the last episode we were talking about how my birthday is coming up. I remember oh, that yeah. conversation. When's your birthday? It was Soon, yesterday. It? it was yesterday. Happy birthday, mate. Thank you. Thank you. It'll be a week um, from when this podcast comes out. But yeah. How old are you now? I'm 24. The last time we did one of these, I was 22. That's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> wow it was two years ago that bath works right yeah yeah um, 5th of december was when it came out so that means we would have recorded before my birthday so let's talk about why we've had a year off and why nothing has changed so firstly you're back in your room at university with the same posters on the walls yeah so but you've been you've been loads of different places in the year right because you're still training to be a doctor and yep. you've spent time in Yeovil. You've spent mm. time back at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also spent time abroad, haven't you? Yeah, I've been all over the place. So I've been, so my travels have taken me to Yeovil, Gloucester, Tanzania and Zimbabwe. So I've been globetrotting. Okay, so why did you go to Tanzania? Why did you go to... So Yeovil and Gloucester, they were both doctor things. Yes, doctor things. Yes, doctor things. What was... um, Why did you go to Tanzania and Zimbabwe? So Tanzania and Zimbabwe were also doctor things. But in our doctory lessons, we basically have like a two-month period where we can go anywhere in the world to learn medicine. Um, It's kind of an excuse for a holiday. Most people just do like two weeks of medicine and the rest is a holiday. So that's basically what I did. And I'm from Zimbabwe, so I use it as an opportunity to visit my family as well. Did you work in hospitals in Tanzania and Zimbabwe? Yes, I did. I worked in a hospital in a Tanzania, but work is, uh, you know, a very flexible term. 
Good point. Uh, did you any do? Did you do any stand up when you were in Tanzania and Zimbabwe? No, I did go to a stand up show in Zimbabwe. Tanzania. Yeah, Tanzania was weird because I was actually looking for comedy, but I think most of it was in Swahili, which I do not speak. Okay. So mm. in Zimbabwe, English language stand-up yeah. gig, Zimbabwean comedians? Yes, Zimbabwean comedians, yes. Um, how were they? What were they like? They were they were good. They were good. They were very like loud kind of halfway between stand-up and maybe improv i guess but yeah they were good it was interesting to watch because i was just curious to how it would compare to like uk comedy and what do, what's it like as a gig gig like does it feel like the format is the same you know bar open half an hour before the show interval three comics compare or was it uh, like loads of people just, yeah, was the vibe and the structure similar? I would say the vibe was similar, but the structure was more like l- loose. So I think the no heckle culture isn't really a thing there. <laughs> so it's kind of like do what you want. People were throwing things on stage and everyone was loving it. Like it's kind of like a bit more clowny, I guess where you're playing up to it a bit more and less like words and stand up. But the structure of the night is kind of like instead. So so it wasn't strictly a stand up show, but it was a comedy show. So you probably have like uh, an MC and then a group of actors would come on who are funny. Then a comedian would come on who'd say stuff, maybe juggle and then improv would happen. And it was just like loads of different stuff. Um tempted at all to ask anyone if you could have done five (laughs) i was i was tempted i was definitely tempted but i was like i would because the thing is it was kind of silly thinking this now but i was like is comedy that universal because i mean i am zimbabwean but also my um perceptions now are very british so i was wondering when i'm telling jokes about I don't know, a kebab after a night out, does that resonate? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can see it. But But then, you know, like, there's something funny about the Zimbabwean boy going to get his kebab after a night out in the UK and mm. then going back to Zimbabwe and talking about, you know, his night. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there is definitely something funny about that. That is true. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back definitely at some point very soon. So I'm looking to do a show. Lovely. So that was so that was last December, the last time we did uh, we did one of these. Yes. And we sort of stopped because you were busy being a doctor, training, finding time, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and belly um, and Belly Laughs in January, which is coming up as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the other reason we stopped was because I felt a bit weird because I was producing, again, the BBC New Comedy Awards. Yes. And yeah. I'm a consultant producer on it. And you decided to enter this year. Mm-hmm. And being doing a podcast review while being a producer on the BBC New Comedy Awards <laughs> felt a bit weird. Now yeah. I don't I don't judge 
at the BBC New Comedy Awards. Mm. I, I look at the clips, so every time the clips come through at the beginning, I go through all those, and I'm there as a mentor, and I help people, and I blah, blah, blah. I, I do all that sort of stuff. Um, I just wanted to kind of have a little bit of a distance, I suppose, mm. professionally, when you were being involved in that process. Yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely fair enough. I mean, looking back, yeah, imagine if we'd released an episode about competitions right before I did the BBC. Exactly. It would be like, come on. And I just, and also if you had gone on and, you know, won it and all that sort of stuff, yeah. and then people are like, you do know that he does a, he does a podcast yeah. with one of the producers. Yeah, um, yeah. And I suppose the fact that you, you did the showcase and didn't get through yeah. <laughs> shows that things aren't mixed. Exactly, yeah. So now next year, when you help me out with getting through, we can be like, but the first year I didn't get through. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when we do fix it this year, exactly, then we can go, oh, okay, right. So this yes. is how you fix it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, this is how it works. This is showbiz. Yes, love that. Um, what was it? How did the process feel for you? Because did you do So You Think You're Funny as well? I did. Got to the semi-finals. That's right. Yes. A, a competition that I have nothing to do with. Yeah. Um, let's talk. We'll, we'll, we'll start talking about our guests in a minute because because we're back and things will work in the way that they've always worked. And yep. the great thing about this is um, I adore you. I love you. You're a beautiful, wonderful man. Mm. Um but like everyone in comedy, when I'm not gigging with them, I don't keep in contact with them at all. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I see people at gigs. I see yeah. people at work. Um, we talk about comedy. So we've not even had a proper catch up about anything, which is why no. I imagine this episode might be a little bit longer today yeah. uh, with the preamble is a bit longer. So let's talk comedy since last year. Mm. You took your foot off the gas a little bit because of medicine? Kind, yes and no. In some ways, I increased because of medicine. Because, like, I was so busy that I wanted something else to do. Like, between January and April, I'd probably say that was the most gigs in a short period of time I've ever done. And okay. My, and my exams were in June. So I'd probably say... the. The month before my exams, I I properly slowed down. But the months leading up to it, I increased quite a bit because I had uh, it was because I was working towards um, uh, opening for Nathan Caton at the Hen Hen and Chicken. Is it the Hen and Chicken? The Hen and Chicken in Bristol. Yes. Yes, the Hen and Chicken in Bristol. So I was essentially trying to get uh, my like best twenty minutes out because I'd written probably twenty minutes of material, but I never refined a proper twenty for a club. So I was doing that for four months, and then did that with, at the Hen and Chicken, and then Steve Lown asked me to come back a couple more weekends and support some other people. So that was quite a busy month for me because I was basically doing nice. st- stand up every weekend, and then May was when I essentially said, "Okay, now I'm going to do gigs for fun, but I'm not, uh, but I'm not going to be like working intensely." So yeah, so that was probably the biggest slowdown. And then after exams, I did a couple like open mic stuff. 
um, preparing for So You Think You're Funny and the uh, BBC New Comedy Award. But after that, I stopped to go on elective. And then since I've been backed for the last like month or so, I've just been doing a couple shows. I did a couple things for like Andrew White, went to London, uh, did the uh, Vauxhall Comedy Gong Show, was lucky enough to win that. So they asked me to come back for a weekday and a weekend shows done the weekday now waiting for the weekend so yeah that's where we are comedy wise so you're so you're still not shit then you're still like you're still good dad i mean if i as far as i was ever good yes okay I, you've not gone shit that's yes. good to know yes i've not gone shit no i like i drove to bournemouth with burt williamson and for like in a two and a half hour journey for an Andrew White gig, and that went reasonably well. Lovely. Um, let's talk these two competitions. Let's talk. So you think you're funny, and let's talk BBC because yeah. you didn't get to the final. You didn't get to the regional finals of the BBC, and you didn't no. get to the final of So You Think You're Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you were close to getting to the final of So You Think You're Funny? Or do you sort of, do you think that that final felt like a step too far for you? I think I was closer to the final of So You Think You're Funny than I was to whatever the step after the regional heat is of the BBC. That's what I'd probably say. Okay. Yeah. Um, Why? Why do you think you were closer? I don't know. I don't know. I think, well, weird, weirdly, for some reason in comedy competitions, everyone ranks the the person, like the order they go in by alphabetically, but their first name. So, yes. <laughs> so that meant that in both shows, I went last, which I was just like, okay, fine. Because <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm usually a mama mama sindo, so I'm very much in the middle of whatever alphabetical thing that happens. I, hey, mate, you know I've always been saying that you should be cuckoo again. You know <laughs> I should be cuckoo again. That would make it a bit better. Um, but yeah. So cuckoo masindo gets on probably second or third of the gig. <laughs> Easily, surely. At least not last. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think, I think, um, with the So You Think You're Funny one, I think it was um, me and one other guy that were like probably one of us was probably the more likely one to get through and he just had like a better gig and he deserved to get to the final. Yeah. And in the BBC? Uh, The BBC, I mean, that's a tough one because I feel like the BBC is more competitive in a way. Because, I mean, this is, this is actually what we were say- what I was saying to you in our conversations about whether or not I should uh, enter it or not. Because the BBC, obviously, it's um, five years of starting comedy. And yes. you know, so I was... So- um, yeah, but about, I think it's about three years of, like, for this year, for last year, 2022. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't have started being paid before May 2019. Being so... Paid, yeah. Yeah, so you'll be you're up against people who are a lot more experienced than you. Basically. Yeah, 
yeah yeah and you know and that's that's fine like i mean it doesn't it's it's still an experience and something to learn from but it's like with the bbc if i didn't get through i was just like oh yeah you know i mean it's i'm still not necessarily at the stage where i should be you know good enough to really get through so it's still something for me to work towards yeah did you did you watch any of the regional finals when they're on the tv and did you watch the final no i actually didn't i am um, actually saving them up I watched um, last year's again after my regional heat, but I didn't even know like um, where to find them. It's an iPlayer, right? It, yeah, all on iPlayer. All on and iPlayer. I th- we'll probably, we'll almost definitely interview for this podcast some of the people who were in it and maybe Dan Tiernan who won it. Yes. Um, and I do think it's really interesting when you do a competition, when you do a set. And, and, I, and I had this with with lots of people that I know um, who didn't get through to the regional finals this year and also last year and then didn't get through to the final. And then they watch them and they go, oh, okay. Oh, I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, see. I understand. Yeah, yeah. There are levels to I this. Understand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. And, and, <laughs> and it's working out what you what you have to do to get through to those competitions. Maybe it's worth... Uh, Maybe a bit of it is about kind of working out if you want to be bothered to get through mm. to those competitions. You know, if you want to be the mm. type of comic who's got an absolutely bulletproof five minute or ten minute, you know, mm. all that sort of stuff. But I mm. think when you, when you, if you were to to see the recording of you at the BBC regional final, yeah. or at the showcase, sorry, and then watch the people in the regional final, I think most people go. Oh yeah, I get it. I get yeah, it. not always because because they can be really hardly uh, really tough fights mm. to get there. There's hardly any difference between everyone, but sometimes you will look as a as a new comic and you'll go, yeah, no, I get it, I understand. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm new and I'm young. And so our first guest today is Larry Morgan, who is a brilliant comic. I think you know Larry quite well. Yes, I do. I do. She's been there since my day one. Absolutely. She is amazing. She's got a really fascinating story and there's a really interesting place at the moment, especially up for us to record this podcast today. Mm. That will all come about in the podcast. I I don't know where she is, so I think we're going to go and hunt for her. We'll press pause, Mm. find a Larry, and then start, but we're going to talk about writing and there's a couple of little spoilers in, in this. So we're yeah. going to have a, a couple of little spoilers of, of, of a Larry and moving into writing, moving away from stand up for a little bit. So when we found the Larry Morgan, we'll come back and interview the amazing Larry Morgan. My captain, my captain. <laughs> this meeting is being recorded. <laughs> that was so hostile. That really startled me. Right. Um, I don't think someone thought it was a boring game when they got uh, when they got published in the Independent this week, did they? Um, that's an excellent point. <laughs> I also really had to. It was so weird. So, Ricky, I don't know if you know this, but I wrote an article for the first time in my life whoa 
yeah, Matt, I don't know how to write. I don't know how to write articles. And it was about the World Cup. I don't know if you've heard of it. But <laughs> prior, prior to this, I had never watched a football game in my life. Oh, my God. Not one. And a few weeks before, we were having a big debate, me and all my friends about, um, or my friend, about uh, the morals of watching the World Cup. Like, should we be doing it? Isn't it disgusting? And then someone said, do you want to write an article about the World Cup for the Independent? And I went, yes, please. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) More out the window. (laughs) And I was the most vocal about being like, I think it's disgusting that we've all decided that football is more important than the deaths of thousands of migrants. (laughs) Instant I was asked to write it. I was like, of course. frantically googling the left side rule offside rule i don't know <laughs> i still don't know the offside rule i'm still clueless i think um, do you like football ricky oh no 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 i can pretend to know football i know the things to say to annoy people so like when gareth southgate is on the tv i'm like why doesn't he ever get on the pitch <laughs> that's amazing that's brilliant um, I'm trying to decide whether we should keep this stuff in the interview. I think we should, because okay. uh, the voice on on Zoom has said already said, and I don't know if they does she come out onto the onto the podcast, Ricky? That woman's voice, that quite aggressive voice. It this probably will. Is now being recorded. Anyway, we've already started. And Larry Morgan has already started talking about her writing career. Um, and how that writing career is based on lies and greediness. <laughs> yeah. And if, if someone wants you to write something for them, you say, yes, I will, um, even though you know fuck all about it. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like that's maybe all of comedy. Someone says, do you want to do a thing? And you go, yes, please, and you panic after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. So we are going to talk today. We're going to talk about writing. Now you are a stand-up, um, but and you're doing more writing uh, than not more writing than stand-up, but more writing for TV and radio than than you ever have. Right? Like it's going on a nice upward trajectory. Yes, it is. I'm very happy about it. I um, I don't know if I'm alone in this. In fact, I, I feel like this is a, similar to lots of people who did stand-up, which was I was doing stand-up for a couple of years before lockdown because I know, Ricky, you started in lockdown, which still mm. to this day I do not understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever I tell people, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense, actually. <laughs> I think people are just like, oh, you mean you were having a mental breakdown in your own bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> And I brought her to the stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then lockdown happened and then I there was no stand-up, there were no gigs. So I got into writing then, mm. which I think a lot of people did. Mm. And would you say, so over the last couple of months, two things seem to have happened to you just from knowing you. So number one, you've got like you've got quite fat recently, like I've noticed <laughs> over the last couple of months. Like, oh, I, I don't know. Over, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, properly chubbed up quite a lot. In oh, the last... I'm like a human egg. 
Like, <laughs> in the last nine months, you've got really fat, right? Uh... I so fat. I honestly, oh, should I tell you what happened a few days ago? <laughs> I got weighed for the first time in the while. And I've put on 10 kilograms. Can we just say, no, no. No, 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 don't explain. Don't explain. I want the world to think you're an awful person. No, I need to explain that. I'm not just saying that (laughs) Valeria's got fat in the last nine months. And please let let me finish the punchline of this. Okay, go for it. She's just a fat bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's December, baby. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm not doing it. I'm not uh, doing it. Oh, you got uh, weighed. I got weighed, and I've put on ten kilograms in less than nine months, Ricky. And I've been <laughs> telling everyone, like, "Oh my god, ten kilograms!" But I actually don't know what that means because I go by stones. Kilograms <laughs> <laughs> means that's uh, a lot. Yeah, but also, you've got like you've got a baby inside of you at the moment. Isn't that's a baby what... about ten kilograms? Like what? I don't understand. When they're weighing you, are they discounting the baby? Well, this is what I... Because I was like, surely... I I don't know if I want the baby to be 10 kilograms. So I can be like, but I'm still skinny. Or, <laughs> or if I want to still have a vagina by the end of the <laughs> Essentially. Okay, 10, I think a kilogram is a bag of rice. Yes. So I've, I've oh. got 10 of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I don't think you're going to give birth to 10 bags of rice. Surely not. Surely not. It's just Although a mess. My baby is, um, I think, very heavy, but my bump is quite small, um, which I think it's just like an inver- it's a very dense, but it's just going to come out looking so fucking Welsh. Just tiny, <laughs> tiny little thick legs. She's like, it's going to come out looking like a rugby player, like cauliflower ears. <laughs> Scrum cap. I know. Four foot um, but wide. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Gonna, I think it's going to be hairy. Hairy? I think it'll be a hairy baby. Yeah. On its head or all over, like an egg? Yeah, I think, yeah. I th- no, I think you're going to get, it's going to be like a hobbit. I think it's just going <laughs> to, it's just oh, yeah. going to walk out. Yeah. Just feet just, like its mother's. <laughs> yes. Um, how far, um, how much left have you got? I've got no time left. <laughs> Are you due like now? Well, I'm due on the 15th of December, but get this. I See, I genuinely didn't know and still don't know the first thing about pregnancy and babies. Um, <laughs> there's like a six week window. So like I'm full term, 37 is full term and they don't let you go pat two weeks past your due date and your due date is between your uh, when the baby can come out when the baby's ready to come out when it's like basically cooked and the the point of it literally needs to fucking come out so and that's a six-week window so it could come tomorrow or it could come sort of after christmas sometime so making um, plans is hard that must be very hard it could come on the podcast i know i'm risking I- it guys Luckily, you, as well as being a great comedian, uh, Ricky is also, he's essentially whatever your baby is to be in a, an actual real human being out into the world. Ricky is essentially that as a doctor, right, Ricky? You're almost yeah. at full term. 
That is a good way of seeing it, I guess. I am almost out the vagina of med school. Yeah, <laughs> almost there, almost there. Ricky, you're a comedian and also you're a doctor. And I feel like there's quite a few of those. Have Weirdly, you... yes. Yeah, it, it just works. I think maybe, do you think it's just like you need a sense of humour because it's quite intense and can be quite I... Yeah, I think so. I guess it's also like a combination of like liking to chat shit with people, liking new people, kind of. Because most people who do medicine just like people in some form. But it's just so weird. I'd probably say that's the profession I've seen the most in comedy. Yeah, it is. It's a lot, is it? And there's also so Adam Kay was a doctor Mm. and then he was a comedy writer. Yeah. And he performed his show though doesn't he so i guess he does a bit of stand-up as well yeah yeah apparently it's like a stand-up be one man show kind of thing that always ends yeah. with a rant about the nhs apparently yeah, yeah, and, he, and he was a songwriter as well so you know he does he does everything so he's oh, brilliant really? we get loads of people asking us about kind of uh like when we ask for suggestions for episodes about this lots of people ask about like non-stand-up things uh, how to get scripts commissioned, how to get Teddy things, all that sort of stuff. And the, I think the writing for TV and radio, I think is probably the one we get asked for most. Oh, really? Now, you, you're not, like, you're in the night, with, with all love and all due respect, okay, you are on. not the most experienced TV and radio comedy writer in the world. Oh my God! No, not I'm such a baby. I'm. I mean, Ricky is still in the vagina of uh, medical school. Mm. Where are you as a comedy writer? Like you're in, you're out, right? I'm out, but I can't support my own head yet with my neck. (laughs) (laughs) I need someone to help burp me a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of shitting all the time. Yeah, I'm shitting all the shitting all the time. What's that stuff where you actually you just can't stop regurgitating vomit? <laughs> I'm sick up. Oh, uh, uh, okay. That's okay, so that's I'm where at. you that's where you are at the moment. Yeah, I would say I'm very new to it. But that's still that's still in a position where that's still a position. Describing it like that, I'm then going to say that's still a position that a lot of people want to be in. A lot of people want to be in the shitting all the time, no neck strength comedy writer. Yeah. <laughs> if you dare to dream. <laughs> so you have done little bits of writing for Mot the Week. You've done a little bit of writing for Welsh TV and radio, which I sort of think of as the Paralympics. You, <laughs> yeah. Um, you... I mean, I'm incredibly lucky that I speak a language that not many people speak, really, uh, but has an incredible, incredible amount of government funding. So like, <laughs> you can, with Welsh stuff, you can really. Oh God, I shouldn't be saying this out loud. Oh my God, I'm going to get cancelled. Oh fuck it, because it what? is the truth. <laughs> you, you can learn in in a way that doesn't matter. Oh no, it does matter. No, oh god. No, oh, please. No. 
and Larry Morgan unfiltered. It's really, really lucky that it's almost like a dress rehearsal. Is that all? Yeah. No, but you know no. what it is? It's not a dress rehearsal. We can relate everything back to stand-up. It's a really nice way of doing open spots. It's basically the open spot of writing. And that's not just writing in for Welsh language stuff. I think people who write, lots of people who maybe do, will write links for QVC shopping channels or yeah. or lots of people are maybe copywriters. And so they learn to write. I know Gavin Osborne used to do those continuity announcements for like Discovery TV and stuff like that, you know. And those yeah. opportunities, I suppose, more special, more specialist writing and Welsh language writing and also English language for Welsh channels, that's your open spots, isn't it? That's a place to get your foot in the door and learn the skills. You still like you still have to work really hard, and there's still enough out there that it is competitive, but it is more niche. It is easier to get a foot in the door. It's much mm. easier to get a foot in the door through Welsh language. At least I found it easier. It's where I started, and then then you have credits. Mm. And then with those credits, it's easier to get other work. Do you see what it was like? Okay. My, my ninth gig in the Welsh language was filmed for TV. <laughs> 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 I was not ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Isn't that mental? For uh, Christmas special as well. It wasn't even like sort of slung in the summer slot. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how many gigs had you done overall? Was that like your ninth, ninth gig or your ninth Welsh gig? No, it was my ninth Welsh gig. Okay, fine. Probably less than a hundred gigs in. Jeez, that is crazy. Me and Priya and a few other people and we were like, we've no right to be here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take the money. Of course, Jing Jing. But it's but you're right. It, it, I think a cynic can say it's credits. A, an optimistic, positive person can say it's experience. It's just all experience. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Whether and it is also, Welsh language gigs or yeah, and it's also you're inherently writing about a culture that you know. So like, it's really fun writing Welsh. See how I'm backpedaling now, so that I so that I actually can still write for S four C. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> do, but do you know what? I'm gonna so I, but I'm gonna do another analogy actually, because so many of the directors of the big Marvel films recently mm. all came from independent cinema. You know, they all came from oh yeah, from of course, smaller yeah. films. And and I think that's what people don't realize when they see a big director of Doctor Who or a big director of Star Wars or a big, you know, movie star, actor or comic, they just think, oh, that person is just fully formed. They don't realise that that person has done independent films. But then we don't realise that the people who do those independent films have been on the short film circuit for, Mm. you know, 15 years, you know, and they were doing their student films before that and and everything, you know, and and everything's like that, isn't it? It's all baby steps. And so much of the work you do 
is yeah. done outside of vision. And, you know, S4C is outside of vision because the only people who watch the shows that you did on S4C were people that you're related to. Admittedly, you are related to a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It felt like a fun place to, it's a great place to learn. I just feel like I have an advantage, which um, I I imagine it is harder if you're English. I imagine it is harder if you're in English, if you don't speak Welsh. (laughs) (laughs) But you have, but then you got into English, like, like, then you worked, then you did some writing for, more, for Robin Morgan when he was on Mock the Week. Yes. Again, I, another credit. But are we allowed to say this? So this is, so I'm, I was so ignorant to this. I genuinely had no idea comedians hired other comedians. And then mm. I found out that Morgan Reese writes for literally every comedian. And yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Like, he had to explain it to me. I was like, what do you mean? That's cheating. Yeah, like, yeah. No, Larry. Like, and then he had to explain that, like, a mock the week recording, for example, is like seven hours long. So you just have to have seven thousand jokes. Yeah, it's I blue. still can't believe that. I still can't believe that. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, RIP to mock the week. But, <laughs> but like, I had no idea that comics wrote for other comedians. Um, and it's actually really fun to do. So. And that's probably the easiest way in, wouldn't you say, Mark? Writing for the comics. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I've not done loads of writing. And the writing that I've done has been for John Richardson, bits for Russell Howard, and On the Last Leg, a show that I've done the warm-up for for 10 years. So, you know, it's not not as if I've done other stuff outside of that. So I do think if if, if if this episode is, you know, comedy writing for dummies i suppose annoyingly we do have to put nepotism and oh. networking probably goes quite you know it gets gets several chapters on its own well i was going to say cuz when you asked me to do this and ask about like how did you get into writing i feel like such a fraudster because it's it's been nepotism you got me my writing gig for have i got news for you mark you got it okay because you literally you were next to the a producer or something and you went Larry's good at writing you <laughs> and you got an instantly like, like oh brilliant come in next week and I was like that can't be the way it works uh, I um yeah I mean that did happen yeah uh, I think I would have done that you hadn't already shown that you could do it. Like, I suppose it it goes back to the credits a little bit. You know, we were standing next to... I had radio credits. So I'd already written for Radio 4 by then. So it felt like the next leap, but I didn't know how to get there. It was was pure nepotism, Mark. Mm. Well, no, because it's not... My captain. No, I don't think it it is pure nepotism because it's not as if I just took a stranger to work and then was standing next to the exec of Have I Got News For You going, oh, this person has never done it before. Can they do it? I was able to say to to my friend, oh, this this person, my other friend, has already done some writing for The Now Show or had you done the news quiz? I think I'd done, yeah, I'd done both of those by then and I'd done 
uh, what was it called before? DMs News Jack, which doesn't exist now, but they do have DMs are open. And we should talk about that. I think that's really important. Mm. Mm. Shall I do, is it handy if I do, because I, I know my writing history and I can do it in terms of hard work and talent <laughs> and also when good luck and knowing the right people. It's a mixture of both. Yeah. Oh, okay. So are we going to do it like, because uh, we are, we're recording this podcast just before the football. So we're going to do our own football match and it's going to be a Larry Morgan being a jammy cow versus a Larry yeah. Morgan working really hard. <laughs> I can do it chronologically for you guys and you can see whether, and you know, I will say I'm only admitting to the fact that you got me the writer's job. Uh, have I got news for you? Because they have since called me back. So I feel like I'm okay with my, I was so nervous that first writer's day. Because I was like, I'm literally only here because of Mark. Mm. And now that they've called me back a few times, I can be like, okay. Okay. And just to let you know, I was also really nervous that day because I was like, what if she fucks it up massively? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be embarrassed myself. No, I never, I never thought that. (laughs) Not only am I letting myself down, I'm also really standing you up I felt like I was so responsible for Mark's reputation here I was like what if everything I said is just like <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a reputation I don't have a reputation but also I think um it, and again it goes back to that thing that if you hadn't already had some of those early credits I wouldn't have suggested you and said and and it wasn't like I didn't say oh this is a Larry give her a job like as, oh this is a Larry can who's the email that she can contact about maybe doing a trial writer's day? You know, that. I mean, that's the other thing as well. Like, that trial writer's day, that's kind of an audition, isn't it, really? Yeah. But I did get an email back once you gave me, once you were like, oh, that's the email, and I emailed them. The email back was like, yeah, we trust Mark, let's get you in. Ricky, will you keep store? Yeah, yeah, I'll write it down. Okay, so... The, okay, well, we, let's start from the English stuff. So the Welsh language stuff came first, and that was through doing stand-up and then meeting people through stand-up who said, do you want to come and do shows and write some of this stuff? So that's the Welsh language, but we'll start with the English But the language. Welsh language stuff is lucky that your mum and dad decided to have sex in Aberystwyth. So, oh, wow, what a spin. I was going to put that under hard work, but that's a cross, yeah. <laughs> I... Don't know how relevant them having sex in Aberystwyth with is, uh, but yes. Oh wait, I froze. Because they could have had they could have had sex in England. Um, yes, but there's a nine month wait, as I'm proving to you here. Yeah, no, this, is, this is a good point. This is a good point. Okay, you were born in. We're, we'll put that as a draw. So that's yeah. not hard work. Or uh, <laughs> luck. That's just a statement of facts. So, chronologically, I uh, would write for Newsjack every week. Every week. And now, Newsjack, which has become... Um, well, I don't know if Hilarious Yeah, there we I'm are, back. you're back. You're back. Sorry. Did you miss me? Oh, we were really? worried that your waters had broken and, and how we deal with it. 
I, guys, I've literally just had a baby. Give me 10 minutes, then I'll talk. <laughs> walk, it off, walk it off, Larry. Walk it off. So, right, okay, so writing. I would write for News Jack every week, and I would make sure that I would fill. They have a limit. What was it? It was you can send in two sketches and three one-liners. Mm-hmm. Okay, one-liners. now News Jack doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist and anymore. It's sort of now DMs are open. Yes, which is exactly and the it's, same. And I it's think. basically a, what would you call, open source radio program, topical where they send out into the world for new writers to basically send jokes in. That's essentially it, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And if you and uh, it, it runs, I think, twice a year or maybe three times a year, and it's always the same. It'll be six. You'll have a limit of six one-liners and three sketches. Mm-hmm. And I uh, would write every time, and I would fill every slot, and... I didn't get anything in for at least two years, nothing. But I kept sending, not because I expected anything from it, but because I would put it in my calendar, deadline, write for this. And I was terrible at one-liners, really bad. Um, and I'm still, I wouldn't, they're definitely not my strong suit, although I'm, I'm getting much better. But just writing each week teaches you how to write each week. Mm. it keeps you and being like, and also I would be like, okay, I can think of one sketch, but suddenly you get into the habit of thinking about sketches and how it works. Mm. Mm. And the same with one liners. I used to not, I used to just be like, I'm just going to send in one sketch. And I was like, no, if you want to take this seriously, hit the target. Imagine like it's a boss telling you. Mm. So, uh, so I didn't get anything in for like a year and a half. And then you I do thought, know that the you do know that the definition of uh, madness is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. But you are hoping that you get slightly better each time because you do, it's a skill. Like mm. no one comes up. I think me and Mark uh, disagree on this. I think anyone can be a comedian. I think you can learn it. Wow, learn it, Mark. Wait, you- Mark, you don't think that. Um, oh, I don't want to argue with a pregnant woman, mate. Makes me <laughs> yeah, you yeah. just call her fat and be done with it. <laughs> um, I I do think anyone can come a, become a comedian because I think Aleri is right. It is a muscle. You do get better. I do, however, still think that there that there are some people who go about it in a slightly more mathematical way without the the natural funny bones mm. and Aleri has got naturally funny bones, which is why doing it in a methodical way really helps her because I think she has naturally funny bones. I will I be honest. It has, even if, it has, I've learned, I've since, I'll give you a reading list if you want of the books I've had about writing mm. and it's helped loads to be fair to Mark with that point in terms of my erratic because I know that you didn't think that I could, to begin with, you set me writing tasks in lockdown because you didn't think I could write. You thought I was more of a performance comic. Yeah. And I would agree with you as well. But learning to hone that into um, like what they expect. Because writing, writing topical satire is super, super methodical. Like it's mad. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did news Jack for 18 months without getting anything in. Yeah, anything. And then, but I also really, I also, the reason I could write three sketches and write the one line is that I actually genuinely enjoy it as well. Mm. Um, and stand up helped a lot. I was doing stand up then as well, more, more stand up, because you could, you figure out what's funny on stage in front of people, you know, which is really important. I mm. don't know how there are, there are amazing comedy writers who don't do stand up, mm. but I don't know how. I don't know how. Mm. Because you, it's where you get your feedback. Mm. Like, it, it's just where you get your feedback. And then I got a sketch in. So I got a sketch on. And off the back of that sketch, I got asked if I wanted to come in to the writer's room. Mm-hmm. Now, this is during lockdown. So it would have been on Zoom. So I got the sketch in. That was good. The reason I got asked to do the writer's room is because the producer at the time was my good friend, Leila Navabi. Okay. It's hard work. So many hard works. But also knowing the right person. Yeah. She said, they asked her, oh, we need someone to come in next week. Do you know anyone? And she went, Larry did a sketch last week that was on. Do you want to bring her in? And they said, fine. So again, it was known the right person. Hard work. In, so in, is that one all at the moment? That's one uh, all. I mean, those two years have to come for more than one point. I feel that yeah. was a lot of hard work. There was a lot of failure. Maybe if Layla was never in that room, that sketch wouldn't be like, I don't know. Mm. Got mm. into the writer's room and they always, they always say in the writer's room, don't worry if you don't get anything on. You're here just to learn. Mm. I got two sketches on. But only because, again, luck, one sketch was fine. It was like, um, and because I'm Welsh, I did a Welsh, a, a, an ob- obscure Welsh story. They always want obscure stuff. Like, they're like, don't do middle of the road stuff because Twitter is, essentially has made satire pointless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one, it was a new story that broke whilst I was writing the other sketches. So I was like, okay, I can send this in knowing that no one else is going to have submitted this mm. because you, you, the writer's room happens after the deadline for the other open submissions. Yeah. So that's how I got. So it was, I worked hard, but then I got a leg up, but then to get sketches on, that was also hard work. Yeah. I think, I think, I think Ricky's right. I think the 18 months, two years of hard work writing I think still edges hard work above luck. I think. But I think that that's important to say, don't be disheartened if you don't get anything on because you're improving just by writing mm. and don't try not to get too embarrassed about how awful you used to be. <laughs> <laughs> because I think of, and I've read back some of my earlier sketches and, and they're just, they're like they're like nine minutes long. They're like a short film. Yeah, yeah. And they're so bad. <laughs> they're so atrocious. Like they have like seventeen characters. There's no punchline. Like, <laughs> they're so so bad. But just just keep sending. I mean, like eventually learn. You know, try and quality control some of your shit. Yeah, yeah. But so so that was like so that was news, Jack. That was the first thing I did. 
Then, off the back of that, uh, a couple comedians that I know who are much better than me and do like TV and radio all the time uh, were like, oh, do you think you could write for us? Um, again, didn't know it was the thing that you could do, mm-hmm. but it's really, really fun. And I've actually since spoken to, so I I wrote for Robin Morgan. Robin Morgan writes for lots and lots of other comics. I don't know if it's a secret. You're not really meant uh, to who you write for. I think it's bad form. It is, although yeah. when you often find on these shows that they're called program associates or something like that. And so, you know, <coughs> when you when you work and I think writing for someone for TV is less of a secret than writing for someone's stand-up. Because not many stand-ups have writers for their stand-up. Yeah. Some people do. And and also the other thing as well is that we sort of have to talk a little bit about the different types of writing. Because I've written for The Last Leg and I've written for Adam Hills on The Last Leg. But I've not sent Adam Hills a series of jokes. I've been in a room with Adam Hills when we're writing for The Last Leg. And I think for a lot of people, it's a an organic collaborative process, and it's having someone to bounce off, yeah. and it's having someone to to talk, maybe a different angle on something. Sometimes we can just think of this, and I, and it does happen sometimes. Give me two sides of A four with these jokes, boom, 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 please. But most of the time, I've seen it happen. It's been a lot more collaborative and. Yeah. writing for someone on Mark the Week, maybe writing with someone on Mark the Week might be a better description, I think. Yes. I, I've only written for Robin once. I've written for other comedians. I think I'm their person that they call now because it works. Mm. Brilliant. But it, I find it, and it's, I've spoken to Robin about this since then, I find it so much easier to write jokes. I'm doing quotation marks if you're listening. Uh, 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 quotation mark things um i find it much easier to write like jokes for other people than i do to write jokes for myself like i mm. never when i do stand up i never write jokes for myself mm. but i can write jokes for other people and watch them perform them and see it work and still i can't write them for myself i don't know why i don't know why mm. and I don't so ricky Ricky is our referee on this. Mm-hmm. Ricky, mm. if someone asks you to kind of to help them for a TV thing, yeah. write for them or with them for a TV thing, yeah, is that luck or is that hard work? Where are you coming down on that? Uh, is that luck or is that hard work? I mean, because the- it's hard work because you, if you work hard, you do gigs, and if you do gigs, you meet people, and if you do well at gigs, and get on well with people at gigs. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then I would say that specific one is probably luck, but I mean, this whole thing is basically as the referee, it seems like it's working hard until one day you get lucky. I think it basically, I can't be in charge. I can't be in charge of how I get in the room like I can I can do all the work on my own but mm. what how I feel how it's gone for me is that I don't really 
I don't get to decide how I get in the room. Like mm. maybe maybe I got into Have I Got News For You because you could be like, look, it's she's Welsh and she's a woman and she's state school educated. I'm never going to call myself working class. She's state school educated. Those three things probably really helped me get in the room. Mm. I can't be in charge of that. But what I can be in charge of is the quality of work that I do when I'm in the room. And like you get that opportunity once. If you're shit, they're not going to get you back in. Mm. But you do know why, and I hope people listening to this are finding this useful and not massively self-indulgent, but you do know why why you met Danny that day. You met Danny that day because you were interested in getting into warm-up, watching me do some warm-up. So you came to London to, you know, you had a night off, and rather yeah. than sitting on your ass, you came to London to watch me do some warm-up, to learn that. And while we were there, I then went, you know, because we went over to what I lied to you first, then went over to the last leg. And you put yourself out there. Like, you you said yes to those situations. You wanted, you asked me specifically to come and watch me do warm-up, to learn that. Yes. So, and I think that's you... I think that that's not luck. That's Being effort great. on your part. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like, it just feels like, yeah, maybe. May, I mean, if you want to do comedy, you can't really do it in a vacuum on your own without ever talking or meeting anyone, I guess. Mm. But, it, yeah, I don't know. I guess I... I don't know. <laughs> it does feel well, like... We need I've, the referee. The referee will yeah, come in here. It feels ah. like I've, I've had a lot of very kind people giving mm. me an opportunity. Okay, I would put that one down to hard work because if you hadn't done the hard work, you never would have got that luck because you have to go to gigs, you have to write. So I'm definitely putting that as hard work. What do you think? I can... So, okay, I'll carry on with the chronological stuff. So I have written for other people and I write for their shows and I really enjoy doing it. Um, and I think the reason it's easier to write for other people than it is for yourself is because you don't worry about like, what's your unique voice. You just, at least I don't, my, my, I'm very much a throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Mm. So write them like 10 pages of one liners. They might choose five, but then it also means you've got 10 pages of one liners that you might want to use. Mm. Or put on Twitter because it's going to be dated in a day and a half anyway. Mm. Mm. I also would say if you want to be a comedy writer, Twitter is fucking brilliant in terms of learning to try and write funny jokes because likes is knowing what works and what doesn't. If you're too shy to go on stage and be a stand-up, you you still need a response and Twitter is a responsive thing. Mm. let's see if it'll exist soon but. yeah we'll see we'll see and get it i used to love twitter when it was um how many characters did it used to be 140 140 yeah it was better for comedy writing when it was 140 because you really had to be like right what is the funny thing that i'm trying to say what is it now too long it's 240 240 yeah. it doesn't need to yeah. be like, it was better when it was like i'm i feel like i'm a sloppier twitter person now um <laughs> So off the back of the, uh, doing that, I then, uh, what, what was it? DMs are open, but the old one, News Jack. Then 
I was able to, then I was a, a in a pool because with the BBC, again, in the UK, we're very lucky that we have the BBC because they have to bring new people in. Mm. So then I was in a pool of voices for uh, News Quiz and The Now Show, which are two Radio 4 shows. Mm-hmm. So I've done writing days for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Mark was able to use those credits to get me onto Have I Got News For You. Mm-hmm. And these but to were get all... you into a, a tryout for Have I Got News For You. But this was all before writers' rooms were open again. So it was all just via laptop on my own. So it, was, it wasn't like a writer's room. I was on my own. As in, like, I would get an email at 9am being like, okay, um, thanks for coming today, Larry, even though I was just in my pyjamas at home. <laughs> and they were like, but they all say this thing. They all do it. And actually, Mark, I would love your input on this because I still don't know what it means. They'll send an email if you're at home and they'll be like, we don't really care how much you write, but like, you know, if you could send in a few jokes by like three <laughs> and there may be a few more at like five and you're like, and they won't tell you what they want from you. They won't say we need 40 excellent jokes or 5,000 excellent jokes. So you don't know. And mm. I wish say, because I still don't know what the right amount is, especially when you're not in a room with other writers I've only done three in because I, I have to take the train up to London. I've only ever done three actually in the room, mm-hmm. writers' rooms. I mean, in uh, in no, I've done I've done more than that now. But for ages, I was like, I don't know what the appropriate amount is. It felt like a test. Interesting. It felt like a test, but I will. Yeah, say- I. I don't oh, know yeah. the answer. I will say, though, because I was nervous and I was like, fuck, I don't know if I've sent enough. I don't know how many jokes a minute is like the correct amount. But and again, this drives me up the wall. Every joke that I have written and been like, well, this is horrific. This yeah. is shit. But it's filler. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm because it looks like I've written more, even though this is gash. They are always the jokes that they choose for TV, and it drives me. All my really clever jokes that I think are really funny and smart, nothing. Interesting. I think I have pulled this out of my ass, and I'm ashamed of it. But I'll send it in as a filler. Makes makes the show. So I think my advice is you can't be your own editor. Yeah. No. So just let other people edit your jokes. Just send mm. everything. Because mm. the thing that you think is fucking gash is usually the one that makes it. And I don't know how that works. Mm. And just to let you know, Ricky, it's, I think it's really important to let you know that uh, fucking gash is actually the technical term uh, that they use in TV for jokes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> fucking gash. We're really, we're really dealing with the technical stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> also, I have a pilot. I'm a great believer in learning how to do stuff. I have some really, really excellent books. Please. If you want to learn how to be a writer, my favorite one is a book called Late Night Writing for TV. That's, that is, is a niche. 
<laughs> Wait, I think I said that wrong. Writing for late night TV. Yeah, which part is late? The TV or the writing? It is. Oh, there we go. It's called Comedy Writing for Late Night TV. Okay. How to write monologue jokes, desk pieces, sketches, parodies, audience pieces, remotes, and other short form comedy. Mm. It's a uh, a guy who's an American writer. He writes for American TV. Like, you know, like the Late Late Show? Yeah, yeah. All of those. What's his name? All the Jimmies. His name is Joe Toplin. Joe Toplin. And it's so good. I bought it when I got asked to write for a comedy friend of mine for TV, and I'd never done it before. And I found this book, and I thought, brilliant. And it literally, it has how to write jokes, and it breaks it down. There's seven ways to write jokes, and that's still the way I write jokes now. Like, it's the way Mm. you write jokes. It's how to do puns, how to do one-liners, how to do topical and it breaks it down on how to do it. And you can take that and apply it to every single joke you've ever written. Even stand up or is it just? So I read that book. I haven't read that book front to cover. I mm. panic read how to write one liners because I didn't think I could. <laughs> and it broke down how to. And when I write now, I still revise it. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, you put the punchline at the end. It's really, it's almost like math. It's really <laughs> methodical. Yeah. But I know that they have a bit on monologue writing, mm-hmm. um, which I'm really annoyed. I forgot that they had monologue because I would have read that for writing this article. <laughs> but it basically breaks down um, in a really methodical way how to write jokes. Mm. And it's brilliant. I really, really recommend it. It's got like, loads of examples of jokes as well. Okay, that's on the reading list of this episode. Yeah, it, Ricky. Yeah. Um, what's your score, Ref? Okay, I would probably put it at seven for hard work to luck, hard work winning. Really? Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I mean, you had you had some ridiculous luck. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, but, but there was hard work in the background that made the luck possible so it's kind of unfair to say luck when you only got that luck because you were grinding at stand-up and writing so it's like kind of a toss-up but hard work definitely won okay that's good because i really did feel like a fraudster when mark was like do you want to come and talk about how to get into writing and I was like, you gotta know the right people. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if at the end of this I was just like, nah, Larry, it's all luck. Um, you're a fraud, pal. You just gotta sleep your way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is which is really irritating because uh we've not slept together. So she's actually <laughs> like got to the not to the top, to the middle. To the middle. <laughs> Can you imagine if the end of this episode was me being like, Mark's the father? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the credit have I got used for you now? <laughs> when that baby comes out and it's just like, what's your favourite service station? <laughs> <laughs> have I been helpful? Have I given helpful tips? I don't know if I have. Oh, definitely. Oh, no, I think you... I think you you have because okay. I think one of the things about because you you've shown the progression and yeah. you've shown that like everything everything has a progression 
you've yeah. also shown that so much of it, like all types of stand-up, is that combination of talent, effort, and luck. And I think, you know, I think you could probably take that template. It's like I said, work hard, be funny, don't be a dick, you know, and it's kind of... I just... I think only, those... only because I used to listen to stuff like this all the time, like desperate for nuggets on how to do it. Um, so I just want to make sure. Also, I will say, um, with everything that I've written for, I ha- luckily I have. I am like a nerd. I'm a comedy nerd. I love Have I Got News For You. I grew up on Have I Got News For You, which meant that even subconsciously, when I got into the writer's room, I think the reason I've done well with them is because I know how to sound like the jokes that they want. Mm. Yes. And it's the same with, so uh, Newsjack is very different. DMs are open and different because it's open submission. So you can be a bit more yourself and be a bit more um, your own authentic voice, which you are on stage. With Have I Got News For You, you need to be able to sort of write for the way that they want. Mm. But that doesn't mean you're like sticking to a voice. You still get to be yourself, but within that, you know, it also has to sound like that show it's the same with the news quiz and the now show you have to please the people who are running like it i think it's like notoriously difficult with um the news quiz now because andy zaltzman has such a unique and specific voice Mm. um that it's nigh and impossible to get your jokes in, but it's a really, really good skill to be like, right, what does this person like? Mm. And I try and find a joke that fits that, which is why it's nice to write comedy for your friends, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, again, I, I would say, I think I'm going to put an extra point in the work thing. So eight, four, because you're right. It's about that research. It's about, it's not just going, oh, I, well, I know what's funny. It's going, okay, well, I'm going to watch, have I got news for you? I'm going to watch yeah. Mock the Week. I'm going to watch Late Night Mash. I'm going to watch all of these things and I'm going to work out I would what say, they are looking. Yeah, I would say definitely, definitely, definitely. And you can, if you don't want to watch the full program, go on YouTube and do, so on YouTube for Have I Got News For You, if you want to write for them, they have Com- some some nerd has done like hours of compilations of their odd one out round. Mm. And if you watch it enough, you start to understand there's a pattern in the jokes and what works, mm. which makes writing for it easier. Um, that's definitely, definitely worth doing. And there's, God, it's so nerdy, isn't it? But if you love it, it's fun. Um, and then, so it's the same with these shows. It was the same with writing that article for The Independent. I read articles in the independent i went on the independent where i would never have submitted without being like what's acceptable and what isn't Mm. so i read i spent hours just reading articles and then from that i lifted a template Mm. for the one that i'd written no that makes sense so that's the last bit of advice i have other than that get to know i think (laughs) get to know mark (laughs) Yeah, get to know you, but also you. I mean, not just me. Like, lots of really good professional comics, professional writers, professional warm-up people, professional TV people. Like the nice ones, like supporting people. You know, yeah. that's mm. the other thing. It's uh, Rooney Tawa um, has done really well with Hattrick and has got into the similar positions because of 
making contact with nice people who want to support yeah. you. You know, mm. these mentoring things can be official mentoring schemes that yeah. have come out recently, but actually good and nice people have been unofficially mentoring people for years and years. Yeah. You've got to be nice. I can tell you a really weird job that I've got that turned out to be the best thing ever. And also just say, say yes to everything. Uh, at least I feel like I'm maybe one day I'll be in a position to be like, no, not that, not for me, but you always learn like with every mm. job you learn. So I helped write a sitcom for the national student. There's a film school in London where the third years do, do a sitcom or do a show or do a film. And I got asked to do that because a girl who used to work at Smoke and Mirrors saw me do stand up. She worked behind the bar, saw me do stand up, and so suggested me for her third year thing. Yeah. So I helped write on that. And it was like, you know, it was it was a lot of work, but I was in a room with, it was with Lulu Poplowell, who's a brilliant comedian. Um, and another guy. And so we wrote together on that and they, and it was like pocket money for like quite a lot of work, but it was also really fun. And I got to meet people and that got shown at the BFI as part of their like final year thing. And a woman from talent work studios, at BBC saw it and saw my name was attached to it. And she got in touch with me and then through that, I got to join this mentorship scheme thing I've been doing. And at TalentWorks, they put you in touch with producers who might want to produce your work. So, like, say yes to everything. It's mm. mad where you get your opportunities, I think. I think that is uh, – I know you're a bit worried about, like, again, gut imposter syndrome being on this podcast, but I think there's no better piece of advice – to end the whole thing with say yes to everything. Say yes to every opportunity. Everything. And be nice. Be be nice. <laughs> be nice, you, you, you fat bitch. Be nice. Yeah, because she was, she, the person who suggested me for that, which has actually gotten me so much work, as in through the talent work, the BBC talent work things, have been amazing at being like, meet this producer, meet this person, meet this person. That was because of a, a a bar staff at an open mic night in Bristol. Wow. Be nice. There you go. I mean, don't wow. just get work, but be nice to go work. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Larry. Thanks, mate. You're welcome. Is the football started? Have you got to go? Uh, it's been on for a while, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm a professional. Nil-nil. Uh, um, anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, thank you. Um, well, I hope it was useful. And we, no, it's been really useful. Thank you. I can't wait for this to go out, and I think people will message. And yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you. I, I probably won't see you guys soon because I'm about to go on maternity, but hopefully it will. Well, we'll be speak you. to you. We'll speak to you soon. All the best. Bye, guys. Thank bye. Care, thank you. Bye bye. Hi. Oh, Captain. Happy with that, Ricky? Oh, that was brilliant. Yes. I think that people I mean, really love that.
Yeah, it'll take some editing because it's quite long, but uh, yeah. Amanda's been sighing at me for about 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> um, goodbye, Masindo. Um, we've got an, we've got the warm-up special next week. I'll talk to you, we'll talk about that later oh, on. Captain, yeah, let's captain. do it. Enjoy the football. Nil, nil. Oh, nil, captain, nil. Take my care, captain. Bye. Bye-bye.